to the Urban Planners Podcast, hosted by Gigi the Planner. This podcast is about all things urban planning related and otherwise. In this setting, we'll discuss the ins and outs of the planning field. We'll even delve into some very controversial topics involving the role planners have to take in their everyday lives and jobs. Without further ado, let's jump right into today's episode. This This is Gigi the Planner. Welcome everyone to episode 26 of the Urban Planners Podcast. In today's episode, I will be talking about my standards and procedures for Black Planners report that came out a couple of weeks ago. So let's get started. So in the beginning of the summer, right when I was deciding to get interns for my organization, I wanted my interns to have good um, quality experience with me. So I had both of them work on a project. And one of the projects that I had one of my interns work on were standards and procedures for black planners. Now, this report that I had her write is in collaboration with a few other planners, one including myself, Gishla Augustine, aka Gigi the Planner, Angela Brooks, Nina Ademudia, Byron Nicholas, and Arlova Vaughn, and all of them who are AICP certified planners. And my intern, Kendra Elner, was the one who wrote this report. Now, the idea behind the report was to provide something for Black planners to continue to push and promote throughout their career. In the wake of everything that's been going on now, as everything related to diversity, equity, and inclusion, I thought it was important to provide planners with some sort of guidelines on things that they could do to you know help push forward the planning field and make it more equitable and inclusive for other black people and bettering our communities along the way so that was the idea behind the whole report now the report can be found on my website at ggtheplanner.com slash black planners report if you want to read the full thing but i do want to go through it a little bit give you some key points about this report, if you still happen to not actually take the time to actually read it. So let's go through this a little bit. So this report, as I mentioned, is a guide for black planners to support them in the profession and to help them with the communities. So when my intern started this whole project, right before she began actually writing the report, she interviewed the planners that I mentioned before and got some feedback from them about what are some things that we as black planners can do to help push things forward. So the wake of everything that's been going on was one of the main emphases for this report. Now, so for a list of the standards, I just want to go through that a little quickly with you guys um, about what everything is about and what is important about this. So... Number one, when appropriate, speak up and create open and honest conversations in the workplace when an issue in a community, specifically a black community, is overlooked. It's very important that we as black planners, as you know, blacks in the community, period, use our voices when we see things that are going awry in our community. I think that is very important. That's something that's just simple that anybody can do, planner or non-planner. And I think that is very important that we do that so that we can help alleviate some of the issues that we have going on in our community. So that's number one. Number two is give back and act on those conversations holistically 
whether within or outside the workplace is served. This is basically sort of piggybacking off of the previous one and making sure that we are being vocal about any issues happening in our workplaces or outside of our workplaces. Number three is get to know the community that is being served. Creating a transparent outreach and engagement is a commitment to respecting the residents' perspectives. I think it's very important that we as black planners in making sure that we are being fair and we're being equitable as it relates to the work that we do on a day-to-day basis, that we get to know our community. That is something that's just general that all planners should do. But a lot of times we don't actually sit down and take our time and get to know the community that we're serving, that we're working in, or even that we're living in. So I think it's very important that we do get to know the community, get to know what their needs are so that we can help best plan their communities for them. Number four, volunteer when applicable for events in the community that support those in need. So of course, it's very important that we volunteer, help out others that are not as maybe as fortunate as, as us, even if we're not fortunate. It doesn't mean that we can't help another person in need. So that is also, of course, very important that we do. Number five, minister and advocate for resources for prospective black planners in the communities that will be served. This is going back to helping those that are behind us. Uh, I think it's very important that we offer mentorship to younger planners, specifically black planners, helping them get into the field as much as possible. So that is something that's very key and very important. Number six, Remain informed of current planning issues, laws, and professional development. Now, I cannot stress this enough. We need to stay up to date on what's going on in society, period. And by doing so, we can help better plan our communities. And piggybacking off of this and you know, going into a little bit more detail, I think it's important for us to learn from other countries outside of the U.S., and what are they doing? Because a lot of countries, especially like in China and that area and Asia, they're doing a lot of things that are 20, 50 years ahead of us. So what are they doing now that we can probably implement today in our communities? And finally, number seven, create connections and relationships that support opportunities for black people. So of course, it's important that we are building our community the best way that we can by making these connections and relationships so that we can help bring in more resources to our communities as much as possible. So those are the seven standards that we have here. And then I want to go through the procedures, right? So we have 10 procedures for the community. And then there are 24 procedures for the industry. I quickly want to go through these to just speak on them and to provide some feedback and commentary on the importance of each of these. So number one is planners should advocate for better public participation methods tailored to the community, including setting up better meeting times that offer free or reduced meals, snacks, childcare, and transportation. Now this is key that we advocate for this because a lot of times there are disproportionate type of individuals that are in these public meetings. A lot of times, the reason why we don't see a plethora of diverse people at meetings as it relates to age, race, and gender is because of the inconvenience that these meetings can place on individuals, basically. So a lot of times, 
it's at an inopportune time during the day, a time where people may be working or people may be traveling from work to home. So it's at an inopportune time. So that's number one. Also, it could be at a little inconvenience as it relates to having you no know, child care to be able to go to these meetings because you don't want your child to be rowdy during the meeting. So a lot of times people don't have the opportunity to go. And then free or reduced meals and snacks. I think something like that could incentivize people to go to meetings. People love free food. If you tell somebody there's some free food at an event, they will be there, even if they may not be so interested. But let them know we're going to have some sandwiches, some chips, some snacks, some water, juice, soda, and they will be there. And then finally, as it relates to that, transportation. That's another big um, proponent of this is that we have adequate transportation to these events. Everybody doesn't have a car, depending on your your economic status. If you're elderly, you may need help to get to the meeting as well. Our elderly people are another group. And additionally, I think it would be great that we have better access to these meetings virtually, right? So everybody can't make it. Even if all those things were put into place and people still can't make it to the meeting in person, what about virtual participation? Now we're in the age of COVID, so this isn't like an option. Outside of COVID, if things were to get back to some sort of normalcy, we should try to provide the virtual option and continue to provide that option for people that would like to participate in public meetings. Number two is host a public meeting. As a Black planner, this will guide transparency for the planning in the Black community to be more effective in speaking directly to residents. So outside of just these public meetings that are usually geared towards some type of particular project, why don't you as a Black planner just host your own public meeting and just try to help better understand the community's needs? I think that's very important that we do that so that we can show the community that we're there for them. A lot of times the community, they don't trust the government. So if you're working for the government, or even if you're working in the private sector, they just don't trust people coming in and trying to change their community. But when you tell them that I'm on your side, I'm here to understand you better, learn you better, understand what your needs are, then I think it would be important for you to get into that space and host that meeting. So I'm just going to go through three more of these because I don't want to spend a whole lot of time just talking about these procedures in a community. But I do want to you know, encourage you all to go and read this document. It's a really good document. And I think it is important for us to take some of these ideas into consideration so that we can help better our communities. And number three is question why some areas may be low income from the start. Be transparent with residents on what can be addressed in a meaningful and practical way. So through this, this will happen probably in a public meeting. We need to like dig deep to see what are the key root issues for these black communities. So question, what is the history behind why this community is the way it is? Once we get to know the root, then that can help facilitate better things and outcomes for the community over the long term. Number four, listen to prioritize the needs of residents' feedback. Depending on the type of planning project, acknowledge the different factors in the community. For example, demographics, economics, politics, etc. Not only are we to listen to the residents, we need to actually take what they're telling us to heart and actually implement what they're telling us. Now, of course, everything that they say, we don't have to do every single thing, but pick those best ideas. If there is something, a resounding issue in a community, let's address that. If there are like 20, 30 people bring up this one issue, 
that needs to be addressed some type of way. Of course, try to get a consensus as much as possible on certain different topics and issues within the community. But I think it's very important that we prioritize their needs and their feedback. And then number five, which is the final one I'm going to talk to you guys about here from the community standpoint, is document a racial equity timeline by writing down all the community's decisions from the very beginning that impact racial equity. Documenting the history will make communities recognize and take ownership of the past decisions made that have created an equitable conditions for people of color and most often black people in particular. So this is sort of piggybacking off of number three and all the other points as well is figuring out what's the where the root issue is of how we got to where we are today, right? So it's very important that we figure out what the timeline is going back. It may go back to the early 1900s, the 1800s, if there's any information that can be found back, back then. I think in this instance, it would be key to learn and hear from the elders in the community to learn and hear about what happened way back when. If you can find somebody, you know, in their 70s, 80s that may have been grew up and know this community, been in the community all their life, get their feedback. This is a great opportunity to get their feedback and understand the history of that community that you're working in. So heading on over to procedures in the industry. So in the planning industry, some of the things that you can do as a black planner to you know better the industry for black planners. I'm just going to pick five random uh, procedures and just expound on them a little bit so that we can have an understanding and an idea of what we need to be doing as a black planner. So number two, share and support black planners in specialized planning fields or those that identify as facilitators in their community. So this here is basically asking that we support other black planners as much as we can. There's a lot of people that have differing jobs, differing roles in our communities, in the planning field, just support each other as much as possible. There's power in our support of one another, so I think it's very important that we do that. Another point, I'll go here for point number eight. Be open to creating more opportunities for young black planning professionals by recruiting them, having ambassadors slash mentorship programs, fellowships, scholarships, and professional development. So piggybacking off of what I was saying earlier, you know, mentoring the next uh, upcoming black planners that are coming up in the field, be open to mentoring them. A lot of us, a lot of time, you have a lot going on. If every practicing planner could take one mentee black planning student, I think everybody would be covered. So try to, as much as you can, give back to our predecessors. Another thing, point number 11, encourage and support black planning professionals to become professors and obtain their PhD and teach in planning programs. I cannot stress this enough. We don't have enough black PhDs, just in general, right? Let alone the planning field. It's very important that either we go and get our PhD so we can be working in planning programs or we help and support others that are doing that as much as possible and encourage them, of course, because I think that it's important that we're able to get black faces in these planning programs and HBCUs to teach and help bring that black perspective in the curriculum because it's lacking a lot. All we hear when we go to planning school is about what the white planners way back when did 
there is black planners. They may not have been called planners back then, but they did planning work that we as black professionals, as black PhDs, if we're working in schools, if we're being a professor, actor, whatever the case may be, that we can go in and tell those stories. So number 15, I'll just go here. Join and be elected on local planning boards and commissions. This can help influence planning-related issues. Be vocal, especially for the black community, as it relates to zoning, maintenance, gentrification, affordable housing, etc., including other off-site infrastructure improvements for sidewalks and roadway damage. It is very important that we as black planners get in roles and get in these leadership positions. When we're able to get in these positions, we can help make the most change. Now, a lot of times we can't make as much change in the position that we may have in our local offices, but once we get on these boards, we're passing a lot of these projects to come into the city, right? I'm on a board. I spoke about that a few episodes ago. I'm on a board and I help do that. So I think it is very important that we try to strive to get on these boards. So a lot of times you have to be you have to get on the board of the city that you're living in. So try to figure out, like, how can I get on the planning board if there is one? I think it's very important that we do that and try to make sure that we have a voice for those, especially if we're in a community that may be quite diverse and there may not be any black people on the board. There needs to be the black perspective because there are black individuals that need to be represented as it relates to projects that are going on in the community. So... Also, I'll go to point number 19 and then I'll do one more. Start your own planning firm and encourage other black planning businesses through promotion and donations. So I think it's very important that we have more black planning firms out there. There aren't enough of them. I know there are a lot that a lot of us are not even aware of. But if you are aware of a black planning firm, support them monetarily with connections, networking, get out there and help them as much as you can. Refer them to other people. Everybody needs that chance. Even though they may start out small, there is potential for growth. So either start yours or if you don't have any desire to start yours, please, 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 I would suggest that you help promote and help the small black businesses. The final thing that I would like to share, number 24, the final note. Sustain a Black Planner Network to share experiences, discuss, educate, and seek advice. So I think it is very important that we as Black Planners, as I mentioned multiple times, stick together in all that we do. So get in a Black Planning Network. There's a lot of different places and ways to do so. Search those out. The Planning the Black Community Division of the American Planning Association is one of them. And just start from there. And then you can find a lot more. Uh, recently, there's been the Black Planner Collective that started through Desiree Powell from Black Space. And that is another way for you to get plugged in and be in a hypothetical room on Zoom of other Black Planners and just talk about different things and like how we could you know, better the profession, better our communities and such. So I think it's very important that you do that. So I just wanted to speak to you all today for a few minutes about this report and some of the things that we added to the report so you guys can get a sense of what are some important things that we do as black planners. Remember that you can go on my website, ggtheplanner.com slash report to read the full document. It's about a 14-page document, 
and it has a lot of good information. If you have any further questions, think there's anything that could be added to it, it's a living document. That means there's room for improvement, there's room for additions. Feel free to let me know. You can let me know in the chat on my website and I'll be sure to take your thoughts into consideration. So that's all we have for today, folks. Ciao. Thanks for listening to the Urban Planners Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over and leave a five-star rating on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast so that you won't miss out on an episode. If you would like to buy personalized urban planning gear and other products or are in need of some urban planning career coaching, please head over to ggtheplanner.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and on Facebook at ggtheplanner. Have a great week and we'll see you next episode.